0: With Steve Nudelberg,
2: here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to yet another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book, hardcover, paperback. We're already to 34, and uh, I'm in the habit of associating numbers, of course, with with jerseys, with athletes. And you chose 34. You chose Hakeem Olajuwon.
0: That, That people do not remember. One of the greatest centers that you think people forgot. I don't think, I don't hear his name all the time.
2: Hakeem the Dream. When I think 34, I think Walter Payton.
0: But that's that just me, right? If it's sweetness,
2: lot of great thirty-four. For
0: some reason, by the way, I did not put that there. I just went with the
2: flows. So uh, the spelling, is, is, I think, the spelling is uh, is spot on. Yes, I, I, and Ken Levine, who produces this podcast, you're not responsible for that. No, I am. I picked Hakeem Olajuwon. I agree with Noodleberg. That's a spelling. It, it, a totally underappreciated he, Hall of Fame. He would, by the way, he would be a great guest on this podcast. Hakeem, he's he would be a great guest. All right, he got offered hundred million dollars in the sneaker wars of the early nineties. Uh, the height of it, when it was LA Gear, when it was British Knights, when it was Pony and Converse and Nike and Reebok and Adidas and everyone was a player. And they wanted, cause people were buying sneakers on like they never had before and the market was still open. I mean, now Nike and Air Jordan together, they combine for 92% Incredible. of the basketball shoe market. But Kim Olajuwon said, no, no, he turned down the big money to do a sneaker, sneakers that they sold at Kmart. That they sold at Keldor, they sold at Walmart, they were $24.
0: Because they were affordable.
2: He didn't want kids to feel bad about themselves. He wanted kids to be able to feel good about themselves and not feel excluded. So he put that money aside for the betterment of just the self-esteem of young people. How about that? That
0: that team was (coughs) made up of quality guys as well. Clyde uh, Drexler was a quality guy. Um, Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell, yeah. Yeah. Kenny the
2: Jet. That was a good team. Kenny the Jet team, Smith, right? Yeah. 93, 94 Rockets. That rocket. was a solid we're way team. We're way off base. As we're, we always do. We're way off the track see, already. See, Tony, man, we have no idea. Confessions of goes. a Serial Salesman. You know the book. We've done 33 of these thus far. He is, of course, Steve Nudelberg, and I am merely Josh Cohen, here to steer like air traffic control, telling you, like, okay, bring that in. Incoming. And you can land, and now you guys can take off. Why don't you introduce us to your guest here today? So yeah. I'm going to tell a quick Please. little
0: story. Please. So uh, one of the things I love about what I do is the people I get to meet uh, first move to Palm Beach. Go to a restaurant. Boom! I'm at the bar. This gentleman turns over to me and says, uh, "Hey, I really like your blazer." We start just a like con- that. Just yep. like that, we start a conversation. I said, "You know, so you know, what do you do?" I'm retired. I just left MetLife after a long career there, mm-hmm. and he ran sales for you know was one of the top guys in the sales engine there at, at MetLife, and I said you are probably somebody i could learn from right and the next thing you know we're having coffee and tony nugent is a
2: friend here he so, is welcome <laughs> to the show thank you president and ceo of coletta partners llc tony nugent so it was his blazer
1: it was the bla- and well it was his date and and the blazer
2: <laughs> well yeah the uh, yeah. Michelle, you know, his, <laughs> his his partner in uh, life and crime yes that's isn't, right uh, yeah i think that's kind of how he said listen you know, we could partner up and, and, you know, you just come out to, with me for happy hour and dinner and we'll get some business done because influencers will want to talk to me. Well, well, <laughs> Since
0: I'm I'm with you. You, I was late. And so they were already in a dialogue. So maybe I took credit for the introduction.
2: <laughs> There's a big country song on the charts right now that he's the guy with the girl. Everybody wants he's to the know guy with the girl, the guy with the girl. And that's yeah. how it turned out. Uh, Tony, so, uh, when you heard Steve's booming voice, cause that's what made you turn around and go, this guy's so loud. And you saw the jacket and you go, Oh, I like the jacket though.
1: I did like it. I do like the jacket. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, uh, the, the voice, you know, you, in public, it's kind of hard for you to disguise. So imagine this,
0: you know, Tony's dealt with, and I'm going to allow him to speak in a few minutes, but, uh, or a few seconds,
2: but, but. <laughs> well, but he's it, a guest.
0: I would <laughs> hope right. so. Yeah. But, but, but you <laughs> know what? He's worked with thousands of salespeople. So he's seen it. He's heard it. He's done it, and uh, without further ado, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and sure. who you are, how you got to where you got. Indeed.
1: And, uh, well, you know. first of all, thanks for having me, Josh. Of course. Steve, I really appreciate it. Um, I spent, uh Steve said, I spent 25 years with MetLife, and I retired a couple years ago, and I was responsible for all the uh, distribution, uh, account management, and broker relationships for MetLife's group. Voluntary and worksite benefits business, which is about an 18 billion dollar a year business. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then right after that, I uh, founded Coletta Partners and uh, we work with, um, insurance carriers and brokerage firms on distribution strategies and strategic relationships. And what's happened is that's led me to get to know people like Steve and, and, um, uh, be associated with many new product manufacturers who, um, it's been exciting and fun. You know, the takeaway for me is that after all these years, it's
0: still about who you know, how you know them, how you can connect. So the execution part of being in sales, which I try and train people all the time, is there's never a bad intro. There's never a bad meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, we became friends. But first impressions mean a
2: lot. Business always, but Absolutely. beyond Malcolm Gladwell's, you know, masterpiece, Blink. First impressions mean a lot. Whether you're going to learn more in those first three seconds than you are when you do your homework, or just the fact that, as I often quote on here, Maya Angelou wrote, "People don't remember the things you say or do, but they remember how you make them feel." So those early feelings mean a whole lot. Whether you're going to do business together, or whether you're going to decide to not do business with someone based solely on how they make you feel.
1: Well, I I think you're right. And the other thing is our philosophy was very similar. Steve's got a very basic and fundamental philosophy about sales. It's about relationships, it's about meeting people. Um even uh, President Trump, I thought it was interesting the other day, he he talked about I'm willing to have a meeting. And, and I used to tell people nothing nothing bad ever happens when you meet with a customer face to face.
2: Yeah. Sometimes people just want to be heard.
0: Right. Yeah, well, I mean one of the reasons why I suggest and I live by this
2: why I eat at the bar is because of the people you meet, and that's why I don't eat at the bar. For, this, for the very reason you eat at the bar is the very reason I do not. Okay? I stopped. And I'm eating dead at the bar. serious. Yeah. You stopped as well. Yeah,
1: it's over. Now,
2: now, how come for you?
1: No, I'm just kidding. Okay,
2: well, Steve does though because you know Steve sees it as an opportunity to meet new people, which means forge new relationships, which means learn from them, learn to earn. Right. If you're not working, then you're networking, but networking is one letter away from not working. So I'm familiar with the book. I'm familiar with the book. What's so great is that before the night was over, I
0: said, I would love to take you for a cup of coffee. (laughs) I'm sure there's something, you know, that I can learn. So, you know, just the fact that I was open to learning. And then at, when we went to coffee, I wrote one of
2: the rules in the book is 60, 30, 10. That is a direct. 60, 30, 10.
0: That is a direct. All right. Tony, this is on you.
2: Break it down for us. 60, 30, 10. It adds up to 100. So it must mean a percent of something. It's
1: good. It's, um, it's actually, um, we, we got that from a study that the, uh, executive conference board did. And, and what it means is that if you look at the top 5% of salespeople in any industry, it doesn't matter. What, what are the traits that make them the top 5%? Mm-hmm. And those traits are they spend 60% of their time face to face with customers. All right. They spend 30% of their time preparing for that 60%. And that includes training. And they spend just 10% or less doing administrative work and mm-hmm. and and so when you try to teach that to salespeople, it's building a model work week it's spending your time where it matters it's being in front of people it's preparing to be in front of people being an expert in your product and uh, it's hard to do but and,
2: how, did that, how did that change from 1985 cell phone business early guy over here 1985 people start getting cell phones wearing with the, you carry the bag around and now here we are you know it, 33 years later how does 6010? Uh, excuse me sixty thirty ten change now in an age of uh, uh, FaceTime video conference calls and everyone wants to do whatever they're doing wherever they happen to be
1: it gives them more excuses and and what you when you talk to people they, they can come in anybody can come in and sit down and work on their computer do emails they can send a text that's non-threatening uh, they can leave a voicemail um, but getting in front of people and talking to them and meeting face-to-face and building a relationship is still thank goodness I think, the keys to successful sales.
2: See, insurance is one of those items that people go, all right, well, I mean, how much different is this than that other company, that other company? So a large portion of training that sales team and, and management has to be understanding why, if all things are equal, people would choose to do business with you as opposed to the other guys. And that just gets back to the fundamental of that relationship building, right? Well, it turns out that you know, for me and my
0: perspective is that that's the competitive advantage. When I get in front of somebody and can build a relationship with them, Mm -hmm. that's my chance to win behind a computer, behind a desk. I never get to do that. So, you know, we were with a client yesterday and the topic of insurance came up and he talked about his friend that he does business with, not his broker. And so I think for you and for the, the top 5%, that's how you want to be viewed. That's the, the club you want to get into. You want to be friends with people, you know, and the only way to do that is to meet them.
1: Well, you know, and I think the other thing in, in our business, um, you know, we call on employers we call on brokers who sell business to employers. And when a broker wasn't doing business with us, we'd go out and talk to them and they would say, you know, if you just had a salesperson call on me, mm-hmm. I'd do business with you. Really? That's, that's all you sim- got to do. Simple. That's, that's simple. That's it. If you show up, I will try to do business with you. Now you have to like the company and the products, et cetera. But um, th- that being said, it, it's it's a matter of getting out there and seeing. But people. how
2: vastly different can the insurance products be? We're not talking about automotive, where it's like, ooh, there's a luxury SUV, and then ooh, there's a basic econo a box for my 16 year old son to drive. So in insurance, uh, on that scale. I imagine that relationships mean even that much more.
1: I mean, uh, relationships and mean relatability. A lot. Correct, and uh, but the, what's behind the product means a lot too. The features of the product, the service of the product, uh, how you respond when when finally they need the product, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know, then be, be having a relationship with the customer.
2: Now, I believe that we learn more from the mistakes we make than when we do things right. I think we remember the time that we put our hand on the hot stove more than the times that we did proper uh, work in the kitchen or, you know, putting ice cubes in the freezer. So what are those mistakes that people make? And now, in 2018, that listen to this podcast, that read Steve's book, that goes when he speaks, what are the mistakes that you you don't understand why they continue to make these? And maybe they're built on old wives' tales or urban legends, as we call them. But people in sales, they do what and they really need to stop?
1: One of the things I, I think people don't do enough of is they don't appreciate and understand and communicate how their product helps people and they have the benefits the benefits of the product how's it gonna help they already know how it's gonna help them they're gonna make a commission if they make a sale (laughs) um... and sometimes they push through and they focus on price and 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 the people that focus on price are the people with less knowledge in the industry and less confidence in 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 their knowledge of the product Mm. but when you go out and communicate to a customer how this is going to help them price becomes less of an issue and they begin to understand that you really care about them (laughs) The benefit principle.
2: And for me, I had a conversation with the producer of this podcast, Ken Lavica, last week, talking about live reads on the air. We do a radio show. And I said to him, people want to know how it makes our life better. Period. How does this make my life, what's in it for me, how does it make my life better? And I get asked by the interns all the time about getting hired and getting jobs. And I said, people that hire want three things. For you to make their life easier, for you to make them look good, and for you to make them money. And really, that's it. Simplify the process. It's a great point that you make. Focus on how the benefits for the individuals that you're trying to sell to see where the light bulb goes off and they go, yeah, I could use that. Yeah, that's a better option for me. Yeah, that would be something I'm more interested in.
0: So so it's interesting. Every time I'm around Tony, I learn something new or I hear something. And when you know your product and you know what the outcome is going to be when someone purchases it, Mm -hmm. there's a confidence that you people buy. They buy that confidence. Right. Like, I know what this is going to do for you. I know what the outcome is. It has nothing to do with price. It has nothing to do with me pushing it on you. Right. This is what I know I'm capable of doing with me and my product. And I think across every category, across every walk of life, people want to buy from people who are confident. Not people who want to sell something, right? Right. That's the big paradigm. Well,
2: none of us like to be sold. None of us. We talk about this almost every episode. Nobody likes when you're walking through the mall for the guy to come, excuse me, excuse me, uh, can I see uh, your <laughs> cell phone? Case. No, no, no. What you want is someone who, like you said, um, either you know and trust, so therefore their opinion matters, like go see this movie, or, oh, you got to try that restaurant. Like if I told you there's a new spot in town and you would love the folks that go there, you trust me, you like me, you'd go. I would go in a heartbeat. Right. Uh, because the benefits, and are. I do, because of the <laughs> benefits that are associated. And from there you go. Uh, what other mistakes do these people make when they are trying? Because that's a huge one right there, not being familiar with the benefits for whom and comfortable and knowledgeable in the product. What other mistakes do these kids make?
1: I think uh, not preparing and, and and not preparing for a meeting. I mean, to sit down and, and uh, you know, you could, I used to, when I started as a salesperson, I'd sit in my car and I'd spend five or ten minutes writing down what is the outcome that I want from this meeting? So I'm going to go in there and I'm going to meet this person for the first time or for the tenth time. With a pen to paper, you would write down what I'd you want the outcome to be. I'd write down. And that's it down.
2: almost like a sports psychology where you are imagining the ball going through the uprights for the game winning field goal. Right. They do with kickers. Right. So you would do this in sales. Correct. Where'd you learn that from?
1: I think it just came to me intuitively, but, um, but you're, you visualizing,
2: you're, you're, but look at him today. Look, he came prepared, came prepared today, for sure, but, but as a young guy, but he's, you know, been the top of the heap, <laughs> he King, the top of the heap. you know, a number one, like Sinatra saying. So you would visualize the outcome of what you wanted it to be, and then you just went and self fulfilled that prophecy,
1: right? And, and, and I prepared for that outcome, so I would lead the conversation towards that outcome. And, wow. and, and you had to be flexible. If it didn't go that way, it didn't go that way. But, but more often than not, it did. And you have to have a reason for seeing somebody. Um, I used to carry around a gigantic briefcase. And, and some said, Why do you have such a big briefcase? Because I said, No matter what they ask me, I've got something in there. I'm going to pull it out and go, Here it is. There let's it up, is. Let's talk prepared. about this.
2: It's never been easier to be prepared. And right. yet, people seem to be less prepared than almost ever. It's, we talk about social media and the ability to, if you're going to meet with a gal or a guy, Oh, he went to Syracuse. Oh, she went to Princeton in law school, and her her team is the Tigers. And in football, like it's easier not to prepare, but people don't do the preparation in advance. They should. Right. Why not? Why don't right. they? Because they're lazy. Because it's too easy. Yeah.
1: I think that they think they they know they know it. They can do it on the fly. We used to have a big training meeting every year, and we had our senior field officers do the training. And I used to bring them to a boot camp, and they would say, "Well, why are you bringing me to a boot camp? I already know all these products. I know I know the class that I am teaching." And I said, "Fine, then tell me." And we would sit there, and they would be like stumbling and bumbling. And I said, "Well, you don't know it mm. now. You are we're spending all this money bringing everybody together, uh, and for a meeting, and you are doing it uh, on a half baked basis. So you are going to prepare. You are going to you are going to study. You are going to rehearse. You are going to and 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 it ended up being very successful. We ended up getting a national award for our training.
0: That's great." Which, first of all, obviously, I, I understand the training part, but we've seen this philosophy show up and throw up, you know, like especially on Monday morning, show people, up
2: and throw up because they just, you know, elaborate they get there, elaborate for the masses on show up and throw up, being
0: there. Okay, it's Monday morning. I'm here. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm here, and I'll just start talking and start blabbing, and no design, no nothing. So one of the things that Tony said in that first coffee meeting to me was. I can go into any organization, I could look at any sales professional's calendar and tell them if they're successful, tell right away How? if they're successful, right, right How away. Does that work? I mean, that's it,
1: simple. It's actually, it's a great sales management tool. You, you say to somebody, okay, Josh, tell me what your priorities are. You know what your sales obje- objectives are. Tell mm-hmm. me what your priorities are to get there. And you say, well, Tony, they're A, C, and E. And I go, great. Let's see your calendar. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Let me see your calendar for the last two months. And so we go through the calendar and, and it's easy to do. You, 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 you say, well, wait a second, Josh. You're spending the majority of your time on B, D, and you're spending very little time on A, C, and E. Where you want to get. So if these are your priorities, why aren't you spending most of your time on that? Mm. And it's very enlightening. And again, it just gets back to managing your time. And that, that, that's why when you get back to that 60, 30, 10 model, you're talking about the top 5%. And so the people that say, I don't have time for that, Tony, you don't understand, I have, to, I have to spend a lot more time on admin than anybody else, and I can't do that, I always say that's okay. It's only for the top 5%. But, but in, in, in this
2: age, in the age in which we live, shouldn't time management be that much easier? I mean, everyone carries in their pocket a television network, uh, an up-to-the-second newspaper, a full computer, a video camera, a voice recorder, right? a, a, a scheduling assistant that you talk to, and she tells you that this or that, or what. GPS, I mean, shouldn't it be, is our minds, are rather our minds maybe clouded by being pulled in 17 directions because you'd think time management, you think people would have more spare time than ever. And they don't. And they have less. Because they don't manage it it's properly. Just why?
0: Not, it's just the simple thing of managing your calendar, which should be simple. Here's what I need to achieve, and here's writing it down what I'm going to do. I very rarely see anybody with down to a detail of what their day looks like. Before mm-hmm. I'll start working with anybody, I'll go, I want you to do me a favor. Tomorrow, from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed, I want you to write down everything. And they go, oh, come on, everything? I go, everything. Yeah. If you go to the bathroom, I want to know when you went to the bathroom, how many drinks of water, how many cups of coffee, how many phones. I want to know everything you do. And then you look at the calendar, and you go, look how much time you waste doing nothing,
2: nonproductive stuff. How do they improve that? Tony, how do, how do folks turn that around? Well,
1: uh, Jim Keltz, who is on our board of directors, was the chairman of the board of Gillette, wrote a book. Um, and it was all about spending your time on things that matter. So it's not about filling your whole day <laughs> doing things. It's about when you spend your time on things, spending it on things that matter. Because everybody fills their day. That's the problem. Everybody fill, can fill their day, and at the end of the day, they go, wow. I, you know, at a big company like where I worked, you had people in, in meetings, and they were, in, and you'd look across the table, you'd go, why is that guy in this meeting? Uh-huh. What is he doing here? This time time, would better spend somewhere else.' But he felt really good. He was in a meeting, and he listened. He didn't contribute, he did, but he was in a meeting all day. And so he went home and told his, his spouse that, man, I had a busy day. I had meetings. I had this and that. But he didn't spend his time on things that mattered, you know, towards his particular goals and objectives.
2: Meetings for the sake of meetings. Well, so
0: there's two different things. It's a corporate thing, though. There's
1: busy and there's productive.
0: Yes, there's there's a difference. And then here's an interesting takeaway is that I, as a sales professional, I was doing a lot of what Tony talked about. I didn't have it packaged that easy. And what he did for me was gave me some 60-30-10 was a way 60, 30, that 10. I just got, okay, wow, that's what I'm doing. And what I found is that people that I've shared that with go, I'm either doing it or I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty simple. You know, well I'm trying, listen, there is no try. <laughs> you're either doing and it or it's you're not. Yeah. It's hard. Well, that's why it's only for the top 5%. Right. The wisdom right. of Yoda. Do and, or do not. There is no trying. And there is a bend. <laughs> it, it's not always an exact science, 60, 30, 10, but it is certainly one it's of the good, best. It's a good
2: structure to work one from. One the
0: best guiding principles I've ever seen because if you want to be really successful and you are not in front of people that can affect this, a selling you know, right. decision, you, know, you can't expect the outcome to be any different.
2: Tony, no, I got a T-shirt, uh, a Nike T-shirt that says, talent ain't enough. Now, the talent's in neon green. And then the ain't enough is in a matte black on a black T-shirt, so you got to kind of look close enough. Now, obviously, it's a basketball philosophy initially, but in sales, you've seen along the way men and women who are very talented, and you knew that they could achieve, but either they refuse to change, because we're all comfortable in our ways, people are resistant to change always, or for whatever reason, they just refused to believe there was a better way to do it. How do these folks that maybe self-identify, or others that lead those, uh, get folks to do just that take their talent and realize it ain't enough here's a better way to get to the goals and objectives that we're trying to meet
1: well anytime you have a sales organization it's going to be a mix of people and so what you want to do is is get people to improve so on 60 30 10 if someone comes to you and says I can't do it but you can get them from 25 to 35 that's not bad mm-hmm. you know that's a 40 percent improvement um, to get people to think about improving is important but to think that you're going to get everybody to the top That's not going to happen. You're, you, because you have to have a lot of Indians. You can't have a lot of chiefs. So what you have to make sure is that you're eliminating the, the layer that is not performing either through capability, uh, or desire. And, and you have to get rid of those people. Should, Should,
2: should sales leaders focus more on employees' weaknesses or their strengths? Oh,
1: that's a good question. It's a great question. I, I mean, I'll give you the safe answer right away. Say so you have to, you have to do both, but you have to certainly identify the strengths and weaknesses. Number one, and I always said, let's spend all our energy on our top twenty percent because they're delivering most of the results. Mm. And so we did extra things for them. You mm-hmm. gave extra recognition. You had extra training. And then when people would say, "Well, how come I didn't get to go to this meeting?" I said, "Well, you're not, you're not a conference qualifier. Right? You come a conference qualifier, we'll, we'll let you come to this meeting." Now, it doesn't mean we're not trying to help this person, but they're getting a different level of attention. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think you not, have to do Not both.
0: everybody gets a trophy.
1: Not everybody. That's right. Gets a I'm, I'm not a
2: fan of participation yeah, the, uh, trophies. Not the, this is right. business. This right. is not, yeah. well, some organizations, I know uh, Goodcomer Brands, parent company thereof, VSPN West Palm, where we are recording this podcast today, um, they do a uh, strength finder. And the focus is: let's not worry about the things that you don't do well and try to improve them. Let's focus, identify your strengths, and then play to those. But I thought that philosophy to be not just different and progressive, but possibly something that is debatable.
0: Well, you find that in, in a lot of team sports where you focus on where this type of team, middle you know, relievers, right, guys, closers are not what we want to be. Right, this is who we are, and identifying right. who you are and identifying the strengths and stuff is, is you know, is part of great leadership. Is just understanding that. And that's you know certainly why I love the good karma. Game. A lot of
2: folks in sales are, are pretty confident. A lot of folks in sales have healthy egos and such. How egos? Yeah. How, how do <laughs> uh, how do those in in above um, manage those below to make them feel included, but understand that still they're not where you need them to be? Because you, know, you almost have to play shrink in some ways, right? And, and youth uh, baseball coach. Yeah, so. I
1: mean, so I'll give you a statistic. I, so I come from a business where the closing ratio is ten percent. It means you're failing 90% of the time. 90% of the time you're ah. failing, right. And and you're getting a no. So a big part of the process was managing not only how to handle those no's, but how to not spend a lot of time when you're pretty sure it's going to be a no, and to focus on that that top 10%. Uh, you know, I, I I just think it's it's an ongoing process of um, uh, of being in their shoes, and I spent um, I had my own 60-30-10 model, but it was 20 20%. Uh, in the field face-to-face because I had to run the business. So right. I, I had to be in New York yeah. and sitting in an ivory tower doing things. Uh, but I was out and I measured it. And I was out yeah. in the field, out on meetings with them to understand what their issues were. And um, some of those issues you could deal with through training. Some of those issues you had to say, I'm sorry, those aren't issues. Get over it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different ways to handle it.
2: Yeah, choosing your battles.
0: And I, I think also one of the, the great takeaways here is that You know, as, you know, when Tony retired and then moved into this new business, all of the relationships that he developed along the way go with you. You know, it's not, it's not a transaction, which I think, you know, people don't get that, that all of the hard work you do up the ladder. And I obviously the top 5% do get it, but the people who are just trying to pound out a sale, it's not worth it. The 90% of the people that say no are still part of your world just because it doesn't fit and just because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you, you know, but some people get annoyed, they get pissed off. Oh, they didn't buy from me and it's over. People change circumstances, change products and everything changes. So, you know, if you let people into your world, you did the hard work of cultivating the relationship, which you obviously did. And now some of those people are coming back in your new organization and with all of the it's just not about the sale, right? Yeah.
2: I think the ninety percent. Uh, to point that out, I think that's super uh, important, or better yet, it, it's kind of eye opening. I mean, I'm watching highlights of baseball behind you guys. Baseball is a business where you can be unsuccessful seven out of ten times and go to the Hall of Fame, correct? Right. And three out, three out of ten, of you're, right? You're going you go to the Hall of Fame for being successful three out of ten times in radio. I remember they says, "Congratulations, you have a twelve share." With men 25 to 54 for the market, that's number one. That's huge. And I said, 12 share? That means 88% are not listening to the show. And they said, but there's 62 other radio stations. So that means right. that you got 12 points. That's a share. Right? And then the 62, they got a share 88. And I said, oh, now I get it. It's important to remember, I, I guess, the perspective of the 90 percent of the time what's
1: gonna happen you, you got to be careful with data because you can make a statistic course look any way you want and you can make it look good make it look bad and and it's that's why in I think in sales people get it get they get too confused with too many things that's why Steve's book I think really distills it down to simplicity my philosophy always was simplicity. A salesperson, I'd get them in a room and say, okay, what, where are you supposed to be spending your time? We'd distill it down to about four things. Mm-hmm. Then I said, don't do anything else. <laughs> that's it. That's it. If you're not doing those Just four do things, this. don't do anything else. The
2: A-C-E.
1: Boom. Wall. That's it.
2: Well, you would sit in your car before the meeting and you would identify where you wanted the meeting to go, but you also had, you, you charted the, your your directions. You wrote your, I think folks focus on where they want it to be. They didn't put no thought into how to get there, right? They've not done their homework. They've not done their research. So they don't know how to, they know they want to close or sell or, but they don't know how to get there. They put no thought into that.
0: You know, for me, I've always lived by the success leaves clues. So if you just pay attention, you know, like I would have loved to work in his organization. I bet. Because... You know, I'm attracted to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, not oh, this guy's an asshole, and oh, this guy's doing this, and this guy's pointing me. Like, out. I mean, yes, no. I don't get that. I want right. to learn, man. Let's, you know, if, if it's working, let's do it and let's do it better. And you know, so you know, I, I, you know, the thing I want people to get from listening to this and watching this is pay attention to the things that are working around you, mm-hmm. and duplicate it. It's not all that
2: hard. Success leaves clues.
1: You know, can I say one thing, Josh? Please. Um, sharing is a big thing. So we, we would take the top producers and we would have, uh, we'd bring people together and we'd ask them to share. So salespeople talking to salespeople, and they'd be embarrassed to get up there and talk about a success that they had. But the other people were listening, just like Steve said, they want to learn like a sponge from someone who's done it.
2: Mm. Learn. Which is like a sponge. Yeah
0: you know so done. when you are fortunate enough to get around great leaders, right, and this is what I recommend to everybody, there's somebody in your life that you can point to that's successful. Ask them to go for a cup of coffee and say, "Hey, can you just tell me your story?" You can do that every single day. It's exactly earn. how what I did. Yep. Yep. I wasn't ashamed by it. Here no. I'm in the middle of writing my book, and I wound up saying, do you mind if I put you
1: in my book? And oh, the feeling was mutual. It's, I learned from Steve as well. Uh,
2: we we can all learn from each other. Awesome. I mean, I had a summer job in college at Saratoga Racetrack, squeezing lemonade by hand, <laughs> three-half a lemon. I used to do the right arm, then the left arm, and the right. At the end of the summer, he says, you got a huge right <laughs> bicep. Your left one's not. <laughs> The girl said, what have you been doing? I was like, no, squeezing lemonade. No, but they used to play, I told you between the races, you'd hear it for the racing form. And the voiceover said, smart people don't know all the answers. They just know where to find them. So that's where you find them.
0: That's where you smart, find That's
2: why you say, can I have coffee? Right. Can, I'm gonna le- I don't have all the answers, but you know what? I can learn a few from you. I, I, I can just, learn that's a few from the you. best
0: part about the universe that we live in. Amen. Is the most successful people are the ones who are willing to you know, send the elevator back down.
2: Yep, they just are. Quarter century of gum squeezing lemonade by hand. Here I am learning from that, learning from you guys sitting right here doing the podcast. Pretty cool. It's pretty amazing pretty stuff. Pretty amazing. Tony Nugent, president and CEO, Coletta Partners, LLC. That was fast. Thank you for the...
1: It goes fast, doesn't it? Oh, isn't? man, thank you very much. I <laughs> yeah. appreciate it. That's
2: awesome. If it goes fast, that's a good... Awesome. That's a that's a Fantastic. good... Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Now, Steve, I know that you don't ask folks, uh, you know, and blindly, how you doing? We don't... Every week we tell folks. Instead, we ask him to tell us something good. It's good for the universe, good for the soul. So as we wrap up, number 34, Kim Elijah one slash Walter Payton. Tell us something good, my friend. My quick story is my
0: uh, one of the uh, students in our inner circle who a month ago was afraid of his shadow actually conducted the morning huddle this morning and he was amazing. There were sixty wow. people on the that's call, great. and he jumped in with flying colors. And it's something he would have never done. And it's, so it's like the mother eagle pushing somebody off. And uh, what a great feeling for me! I was so proud of him, and so great to see it. And that's the power of learning. And so you it, can do that's it. It's my something good for the day. That's you great.
2: can do anything if you're confident.
0: It's just, you know, it's just having the right support and the right people around you. And you can do a little if you're not. Be,
2: get fed. Tony, thank you again. Thank you, Josh. It was a pleasure. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Get the book, Confessions of a Serial Salesman, 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders hard cover paperback go to the site find out when steve's lecturing and speaking uh you want to go for 35 so here's a
0: quick little thing i'm not sure if it's next week or the week after uh-huh. but i've been in contact with our friend ray lewis uh-huh and when he comes back from canton he's going to join us on the show oh fantastic and talk about uh sports and entrepreneurs and all that stuff and his charity so uh, we've fantastic. got some great guests
1: uh thank you uh i, hope, I awesome. hope ray's not nervous following me i <laughs> You never know. I think that's why he wanted to wait a couple yeah. of weeks. <laughs> want, want to do 35?
2: Want to go for 35? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. For Steve Notenberg, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening to this episode of Confessions of a Seal Salesman, the podcast. We'll catch you next time for number 35. So long, everybody.